In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
tweet, tweet. What's up, folks? It's so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. This is your boy, Ryan. Uh, how is everybody's Tuesday uh, going? This is this is late, you guys. I am turning in my homework late. I hope it's still acceptable. We have a great show for you today, still, so no worries on that. But um, this is how this is. It, it's fun how when you work. Um, uh, what does Medita always say? Work. Uh, work. <laughs> the fact that I don't even know this from the top. Work smarter, not harder. And I've never learned to work smarter, not harder. I'll always go the long. <laughs> I'll go the long way. And then sadly, it's not as funny as I'm trying to make it sound. But I got in front of my computer to do this episode. Um, and it was like, you know, it was at midnight. Like I, I I will like I picked out the song I wanted to do in the beginning and that was all done. And then how you piece this together is like I looked at the news stories I wanted to talk about and I was kind of like, you know, you wait to the very at least I wait to the very end because for the people that listen on a daily basis, I know some of you guys only listen to Mondays or you only listen to the Beverly Hills recap or whatever. It's you know, you can listen to it however you want. Um but I'll wait usually until the evening. And because uh, I want to see what pop culture stories happen at, in the evening that I can like talk about the next day. Like you catch so many things that happen at night, just like on Sunday night, I wouldn't if I hadn't have recorded that outro, the intro later, I would not have been able to give my thoughts on Pete and Emrata seeing a basketball game. I mean, and come on, those thoughts are precious thoughts. Um, so anyways, I, I went to record and then I was putting the audio all together and I go, oh no, I I listen, I didn't have our guest today's audio. And this is a great guest, guys. This is uh, somebody that I like very much. His name is Eddie, but you might know him as Martinis with Eddie. That's M-A-R-T-E-A-N-I-S, like spilling the T. And by the way, Eddie is the only person, I say this in the interview, that I think is acceptable to use the word T as a grown man. I Every time I say T, I sound like a flippin' idiot, but Eddie uses it gracefully and he's got the best hair in the game. Uh, you know him probably from his YouTube channel. He's got a fire Twitter. Oh my God! Did I just say fire? I'm, guys. I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm being involved with the youth of America too much. I'm saying just words like fire. Uh, he also has a podcast where his YouTube is on the podcast as well that you can go subscribe to right now. I was actually on an episode a couple of weeks ago and I met him at BravoCon and I just find him delightful. And it was so nice to actually, it's so nice to actually spend time, a little bit more time with people. And that's what podcasting or interviews in general give you a sense of of you get to kind of get to know the person a little bit more and you get to have kind of like what they think and what you think. And there's an exchange of ideas that I find very exciting. And this is kind of one of those old school interviews where we just talk Bravo for the main part. We talk, of course, about how we got started, but we recorded this before Thanksgiving because I was trying to, uh, trying to get as much done as I could for the Thanksgiving holiday. But there's always stuff like that Ronald Richards thing popped up last minute. And there's always those things that I just like this. If I didn't have the podcast, I don't know. What did I used to do, you guys? Because it was the same thing. I would open up the Daily Mail three billion times a day or TMZ before that or D-listed before that or Perez Hilton before that. And you guys were the same way. We didn't. 
we didn't have these outlets that we have today, or they're not as popular as they, you know, it's just funny that we have these outlets and we have these forums now to discuss all of these things. But also, isn't it funny, like, when pop culture, I think, was the most fun, um, is, didn't pop culture used to be, gosh, you guys, I really, I, I know I run the risk of just being an old fuddy-duddy when I say this, but I talked to Kelly Williams, Laguna Biatch on Monday, and I've talked to many of my my fellow hosts and pop culture historians about this. Didn't pop culture used to be fun? Didn't it used to be fun? You know, I mean, even, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just looking at things through rose-colored glasses because now when I really think about it, I'm thinking about those pictures. We just celebrated the 16th, 16th or 17th anniversary of the famous Paris, Lindsay, and Nicole um, car uh, paparazzi photo. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. We just, and I remember that was like the height of pop culture. But then if you think about that time, you're like, wait, wait, this, two of those ladies were potentially dealing with drug problems. They went to jail eventually. Brittany also had mental issues on top of that. And it wasn't, as, why, why did I think that was fun? But for some reason, I could keep up with it. I mean, but now there is just, too much everywhere. Bravo is its own entity. So you can do, I mean, people do shows just about Bravo. This show usually is just about Bravo, but general pop culture is, it, I don't know, it's its becoming so dark in so many ways. I mean, from the Kardashians and their extreme wealth to Kanye and his obvious mental illness slash uh, hate rhetoric um, to Balenciaga, you know, and this is, uh, this is, I'm trying to give trigger warnings in the possible way I'm going to talk well, I'm not going to really talk a lot about it, but I am bringing up what the Balenciaga ad was about, which I talked about on Monday's show. So hopefully this is enough of trigger warning. But um, and if not, skip ahead a couple of minutes is is, uh, you know, these the, the campaign that Balenciaga is everybody's in an uproar about is is, you know, kind of there's like all these undertones and overtones of pedophilia. I mean, and this is wild because now this is a major fashion brand that is suing their ad company for $25 million, you guys. I talked about this the other $25 million. And the thing that's the thing that I try to find like something that I laugh out, uh, laugh about with everything. And it's like really hard to find something to laugh about with this thing. But the funny thing I try to tell myself is that being somebody that's auditioned for commercials before, uh, that is, uh, you know, that has been around the business in a way for decades now is that, you know, it's really hard. Like Balenciaga, if it's true in their lawsuit saying that they had no idea of any of the background of these sets and they were promised that, the, you know, the art director and the director and the, you know, they were promised all of these things and they just trusted them. And in reality, like the, you know, if you zoom in on the photos, there's like a, a, a court ruling that had uh, to do with um, child pornography and there was, of course, the actual image. The actual images themselves are where it went way wrong. Like the fact that you have kids with teddy bears with bond. Like I don't even wear bondage gear yet, folks. I'm not saying I'm not going to. This is that's not a so bad. It's good promise. I'm just saying I've not yet. And, you know, kids, that's not funny. It's not funny. Like, especially in this day and age. Do you I mean, how desperate are you for attention? And is this the kind of attention that you want? Right. We have determined 
determined we live in an attention economy, right? I even fall victim to it every day. You fall victim to it every day. I fall victim into it. Like, how is that? How are we going to get new people to the podcast? How are people? Am I failing every day? I need attention. I need attention. I need attention. And you guys are sometimes like that too. I need, I need to post something on Instagram. I need to post something like this. I mean, and we all fall victim to this. But even big companies do this. Even our celebrities show us the way. They pave the primrose path for us and say, maybe I too could have an 80-foot-tall Christmas tree like Kylie Jenner if I just post the right amount of boob and cleavage in this photo. You know? And it just seems all too much. But back to the Balenciaga thing is that when I do a commercial audition, well, back in the old days, now I usually put my commercial auditions on tape. Uh, you, so you have to video yourself, which is just horrific. I had to do one in Arizona uh, when I was there. Uh, <laughs> and it was the – I kept meaning to tell you guys about this because you usually get commercial auditions. Do you guys mind if I just – I? by the way, somebody wrote me yesterday on Instagram and uh, – they're just like, you know, I do go on, I do go on wild tangents, but I, listen, if you know me, if you're my personal friend, you know, I don't like to talk to you. <laughs> that's like, I get wildly scared of the phone and that's not even a joke. Like, I wish I, I wish you could believe me at least with that. Like I'm full of shit so many times, you guys, like I'm genuinely full of shit, but I like I love my friends dearly. They'll never probably know how much, but I do not want to talk to them on the phone. Like I would rather text with you. And even then I took off the notifications on my phone because it was like stressing me out or I'd be in the middle of a podcast like this and I wouldn't be able to focus because supposedly I'm a Taurus and that is part of a Taurus. I'm trying to get more into astrology. Um. But like, I don't love talking on the phone. Like, it's like the word, like, it's like, it scares me for some reason. I don't know why it scares me, but it completely scares me. I would rather have the distance with the, I don't know if it's that they, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. But basically what I'm saying is that I'm probably full on shit, full of shit on that too. And I'm just scared deep down to talk to people in like, as my real self, and that's why I take out all these tangents on the pod, because these are conversations that I would be having with my real friends. And that's why I always call you my real friends, because I finally get to have all this vomit come out of myself. So anywho, I had to do this audition in Arizona and it was last minute. And I think it was for like single care health insurance. I don't know, you know if I'm allowed to say the, the name, but I just did. And they did it last minute. And I am I had I don't have my like full like equipment with me because, you you know, every actor during the pandemic had to get used to not in-person auditions. So you would do auditions over Zoom, but then you had to get like better cameras, like 4K quality and all that to tape yourself. And then you would have to find, you'd have to go to your buddy's house to have him read one line or find somebody with a black wall so you could film yourself against or a white wall or just a, a you needed like a just a basic color, you know, you couldn't have a patterned background and it always looked like shit. And the thing was, I mean, it, it was cool because back in the old days with the commercial auditions, you would drive all the way to Santa Monica. And I, that was when I had a real job and you'd have to leave. You'd have to have somebody cover you at work. You would drive an hour to Santa Monica. You would wait an hour to go in the room and the actual audition would take all of one minute. And then you would get back in your car. You would go back to work. It would take you an hour to get there, maybe longer. Cause then you're dealing with traffic on the, 
it, it was just always a mess. And then you, I would, I was lucky enough to have a job where I could make up the time on the back end. So I would go into work sometimes knowing that I probably wouldn't leave for like 16, like it would be a 16 hour day. You just never knew what the day was going to throw at you. And I would, I would carry all kinds of different outfits in the trunk of my car. And my trunk of the car was already messy. You know me, you guys, but I would carry like uh, best buy employee, businessman, young dad, da, da, da. I would carry all of these different outfits just in case I was at work getting a last minute call. Anyways, I got a last minute call and they wanted it. I was like the uh, a pharmacist and they wanted a white coat, didn't have a white coat. So I'm like working with what I have. And then I run over to my sister's place because my parent, my mom's at a doctor's appointment. My dad is with her. And then my sister says she'll help, but she can only help at this certain time. And I had to get, had to get in at this certain time. I go over there, my niece and nephew, you know, you think they would, they would hop to and be like, we're helping uncle Ryan do something with, uh, with Hollywood, you know? And then I think they even realized that it's a sad existence. Cause they were like, they didn't have, they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to watch TV over here. And I think so. And then I was trying to set this camera up. I didn't have a tripod. So I'm trying to you, like, see if I can use my phone. And then I was trying to see if I could use my computer. It was just a mess. And like, I broke, like I broke this little piece of shit, uh, ring light that I got at the Dollar Tree that week because I didn't have one. I broke that in the midst of that. I broke this little ceramic thing that my sister owned because I was trying to stack things to make the camera my height. And it was probably the worst audition I've ever, ever put on tape. But basically, the whole point of that story is uh, I chose the wrong career for stuff and podcasting is much more enjoyable. But two is that when I would get called back for commercials, when I would, you know, what happens is that you're then in a room with like eight people or you're on Zoom with eight people. And it's usually the casting director and the casting director's assistant. And then it's the uh, the ad agency, right? The ad agency that pitched the commercial, like think about Mad Men, they pitched the commercial. And then you have a bunch of people from the actual company in the audition. So if I was auditioning for Balenciaga, you would have Balenciaga reps in that room. Every step of the way, these companies have to sign off on so many things. Now, when I booked a commercial, like I booked a TGI Fridays commercial, gosh, Oh, 15 or 16 years ago, it was like a rib commercial where you're eating ribs, you know, with your good buddies, you know, it's, it's, you have your, your, uh, you know, your, your girl, your guys, you're, and you're eating dollar ribs at TGI Fry or something like this. And you, you know, had three auditions for it. And the funny thing, this guy's, this TGI Fridays commercial was directed by Janusz Kaminski. And if you don't know Janusz Kaminski, I'm going to tell you, he won the Oscar for cinematography for Saving Private Ryan. He usually is uh, Steven Spielberg's main cinematographer, just a genius. And I'm like, this guy's doing a rib commercial. But yeah, he's getting like $500,000 for a day of work on a rib commercial. Janusz is going to take it. But all of a sudden, I'm working with Janusz Kaminski. But I'm working with him not in like this kind of, I'm working with him in like, <laughs> you're eating ribs. You're having fun. Yes, you're having fun. You're eating ribs. 
and we had TGI Fridays reps on the set with us the whole time. So like anytime we didn't look like we were enjoying eating these cold ribs and also just to really gross you out in between every take, they would give you a spit bucket and you would spit the rib out in the bucket. I'm not even making this up. So then there was like, and then there was like the perfect ribs that they would do the hero shot of. The hero shot is like the main shot. It's like the shot of the perfect rib. They call it the hero shot. Like it's the perfect rib. And then they would give us the, you know, the barely edible ribs that they were cooking off to the side. But then in between every take, because you're doing this like a hundred times from all of these different angles, you have to spit the ribs out in a rib bucket. And this is, I mean, by, and by the way, this is considered one of the best days of an actor's life. You're working. You're working on a national commercial. This is going to get aired on NBC, ABC, CBS, all of those things. So it's huge for an actor. I mean, the four of us, we were like joyful. They And they built a whole TGI Fridays, you guys, in a back lot at Universal Studios. So you go, you're you in the back lot of Universal Studios, which is just exciting anyways. Anytime you're in the studio, you're like, wow, I'm in a studio. And of course, you'd want it to be for a TV show or a movie or a commercial, sure. But you walk in and they've built an exact replica of a TGI Fridays. Can can you imagine that? They built an exact replica of a TGI Fridays. Like they they were like, "No, you know what? We don't want to go to a real TGI Fridays. That would be a bitch to light. We're going to build a real TGI Fridays here." And I was like, "This is wild." And Janusz, by the way, he was great because he's behind the camera. He's like giving you directions because there's not dialogue. You're eating ribs. Like he's like, "Yeah, he's already enjoying the ribs." And then he was like, "Ryan, Ryan." I, I worked on the movie uh, that was named Ryan. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Like, you know, it was just like wild. And and for all those film buffs out there, this dude used to be married to Holly Hunter, who is one of my favorite actresses of all time. Um, But basically, the whole point is that so many people in Balenciaga had to have known or had to have known. And like, listen, I don't want to I don't. Like, I fucking hate conspiracy theories, but it really does seem like a lot of people are doing some really bad shit lately. Like, whether it be, you know, Bravo and Erica Jane turning in the wrong earrings or Jen Shaw scamming the elderly, yet she's putting up no solicitor signs on her doorstep on Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Which, by the way, my recap on that will, uh, on on last week's or two weeks ago's episode will be out tomorrow since they took off last week, but it'll get you primed. For tomorrow night's new episode. Plus, we'll have a, a special Bravo Liberty on with us tomorrow as well. So that's exciting. But my basic thing is that, like, it is funny that Balenciaga is going to even try to sue because there really is not a lot of grounds because it just means they either were in on it or they were just so wildly ne- negligent that they shouldn't even have a company. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are part of a billion dollar brand, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to treat it like a little bit, not God, what a horrible example. You got to treat, I was, you got to treat like a baby. No, you just got to take really good care of it. Like, like, oh, okay. uh, Like a flower, like a plant. You got to, you got to water it. You got to take care of it. You got to make sure that you are involved in every step of the way, every step of the way. And Balenciaga, I like, I mean, like, listen, like I'm sometimes so like, I'm so focused on this podcast that I'll like, I won't, like, I won't even concern myself with other shit because I'm just like, oh, you know, and it's like, but I'm me. 
I'm not Balenciaga. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm me. It's like Elon Musk and Twitter. I'm like, you spent $44 billion to make the same stupid jokes that I make on Twitter, just with less housewives? I'm like, your nights, like, he posted a picture, you guys, of his nightstand and had a bunch of caffeine-free Diet Coke, which, by the way, pussy, because it's like, we all know caffeine Diet Coke is the way to go, even though I am giving it up on January 1st. I, I, that, that is my New Year's. I am so addicted to Diet Coke right now. It is sad. Like, I would do things to you guys sexually for a two liter of Diet Coke if I didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's gotten to that. It's gotten to that level, and we just need to stop. We need to stop, even though it is the best beverage on the market, hands down. But it's too much. Like, I'm, I can't be begging people for Diet Coke. I just can't. I'll always remember it. I'll always think of it lovingly, but I know I can do this. And uh, what if I just switched to Diet Dr. Pepper? <laughs> you know what? Diet Dr. Pepper is the way to go. That's Diet Coke's done, though. Um, but Elon Musk is posting these stupid, like, you know, this is my nightstand. And this is a billionaire, you guys. A billionaire. He has all of these caffeine-free Diet Cokes just laying around his desk that are causing ring marks. And, like, listen, that's the bullshit Ryan Bailey does. But I'm barely a thousandaire. Like, I'm not a billionaire. Like, I can do that because my life is this. Like, you know, I live this. Like, and he has two guns and he has like a water, like water bottle. Like, this is your nightstand? Like, my nightstand, like, it's like, inter- like, well, back when Entertainment Weekly existed, you would have whatever pop culture magazine, you'd have some diet, you'd have some diet. Co- but I even, I, I bought these rubber coasters, you guys, a couple years ago from Amazon. I even had some coasters on my nightstand. Even though I don't prefer to use coasters, I do even know that. And this is the guy in charge of our, like, uh, this is the guy in charge of free speech all of a sudden f that you gotta be able to there's no i think our celebrity political trust quotient is at an all-time low who can we trust like don't trust me don't believe in me don't i always say you go find out your own information i'm gonna tell you what i think or what my you know theory is on things but always do your own research on any of this crap um but it just seems to be so dark lately so hopefully we can find ways to make this humorous hopefully we can find ways to laugh with each other and this is a by the way this is a great segue today premiering on peacock is the casey anthony story casey anthony which i did a story on i think two weeks ago nbc gave her like i think it's like a three-part interview series where she gets to tell her side of the story where she gets to admit finally that the real truth is you know which the real truth is and and i'm sorry that this is just really my podcast i'll say what i want is the truth is she killed her own daughter but now she is saying that her dad did it and nbc or peacock is paying her money for it which is just wildly ridiculous and irresponsible and shows you once again the attention economy but anyways i'll probably watch it because i'm a horrible person um (laughs) you guys guess who apologized oh guess who did an interview guess who did an interview last uh yesterday with um trevor noah trevor noah with the daily show This is actually very interesting to me because I think this is one of the first times we've gotten him to address it. So here is a clip of Will Smith talking about the infamous slap that he won the Academy Award on the same night. Oh, that's not it. Uh, It's like, in a weird way, it's like you you stood up for the wrong thing at the wrong time, in a way. Yeah, you know. Do do you know what I'm saying? It it felt like you'd taken everything because... Here we are, you know, human to human, man to man. But like, 
People have said some mm-hmm. shitty things about you and your family. Absolutely. You know, you're mm-hmm. a human being. It, yeah. it felt like, and I, I would say this to people, I was like, it is, it's becoming relentlessly shitty now. Yeah. And yeah. people think it's okay. Yes. That's the thing. People think yeah. it's okay. And not Chris, by the way. Yeah. I'm talking about people, the internet, etc. But it, it, it felt like this was Will Smith for the first time going, okay, is this how you want me to respond yeah. or not? Yeah. Nah, it, it was, you, you know, it was a lot of things. It was the, the, the little boy that watched his father beat up his mother, you know. It's, a, you know, all of that just bubbled up yeah. in, in, in that moment. Um, you know, I just, that's not who I want to be. Right. You know, you've known me for a long time, so you know me personally, mm-hmm. so you know. Um, but, you know, y'all might not know. Um, <laughs> oh, you, want, you, you, know, you know, it's like, that, that, that is, that, that's not who I want to be, man. I'm trying to, you know, I'm yeah, trying to I, put... I, I also think that's not who you are. I'll be honest right. with you. I think it's not who you are. I think everybody can make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think in my honest opinion, mm-hmm. I think... How I how I think of living my life. Now, as I say, now I'm crying for real. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean this honestly. I'll, I'll tell you why. But I'll tell you why. So that's a little clip of uh, Will Smith on The Daily Show uh, with Trevor Noah. And, and what do we think? What do we think? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, we're coming up on, what has it been, nine months uh, since the slap of Chris Rock, which I still find like, what a, what, that's how wild celebrity pop culture has turned. Like, that's what I'm talking about being the fun of it. Like, that was not fun. I used to like dream of hosting the Oscars and all of a sudden I'm watching one of the actors I've grown up with slap one of the comedians I've grown up with on national television. It's like one of the most watched nights of television. And you're like, wow, the circuitry is broken somewhere. But... Like we do believe in forgiveness, right? We're taught forgiveness, right? We we do forgive, and 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 he seems genuine. I'm no, I'll be interested to see, you know. And you hope things that aren't aren't just based around money of just like, well, I just want to keep making money. And listen, I'm sorry, I'm distrustful of Jada Pinkett Smith. I am. I don't know. She's got a bad. Like I don't like the red table talk. Sometimes, you know. I've always wanted, I've tried to get my dad to host like a brown table talk where, cause we have a brown table at home, but he is, I, I've had to explain what red table talked and he doesn't, I don't, he doesn't think it's his thing. Plus, uh, we don't have another generation of Bailey. Well, I guess we could do it with my nephew. We can do brown table talk and then just invite people like our na- their neighbors or something on. Um, I don't know, but I wanted you to hear that because he has a new movie. I believe it's called Emancipation uh, that Apple produced, directed by Antoine Fuqua, that's going to be coming out and should be up for Oscar contention. And so he now has to start making press rounds again, because that's how these things work. You film these big budget movies, and then you have to do a press tour to sell the movies. So at the end of the day, you're a traveling salesman. You go from show to show, or like even think about this, it's podcast to podcast. Usually if you hear a Bravo celebrity, they're usually plugging something. They're plugging their show, they're plugging their candle, they're plugging something like that. So it's really fascinating how that all works. I've always found that fascinating since I was a little kid. Like I knew about press junkets before I knew how to spell my own name. Um, So I think that's interesting. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. Uh, I don't know. So also yesterday, and I was, I was uh, the Patreon. I'm doing the final episode of the Kardashians today. And we talked on Monday's episode a lot about like their Thanksgiving and then yesterday, I, I don't 
I don't think I follow Kylie on Instagram because it's one of those things, you know, you'll be sent a million of them anyways. I was sent her putting up her Christmas tree. And her Christmas tree, you guys, is, I don't know if you've ever seen the Empire State Building, but I think it might be bigger. And it is so damn huge. And I just got so sad. And it was like, listen, this is like, I'm saying this is a me thing. It's not a you thing. I'm not trying to drag you down. If you really enjoy seeing these things, because somebody on my Patreon wrote, well, I like that they're so successful. I like, you know, I'm glad that they're happy and they're, they're showing off their, not, I don't think that was the wording. So I don't want to put that word in her mouth, but she was like, not standing up for them, but saying, I really like this. And I was like, you know, I got to remember that people really do like to see vast amounts of wealth being spent in really, really opulent ways. And I also wonder sometimes too, if that's an age thing for me as well, is that like, what I, what I, what I used to, did, was I ever into baller culture? You know, like, I'm like, I don't think so. Like I, even when like rap music videos were all on like speedboats and yachts in Miami, you know, like I never really cared about it. I wasn't ever like, oh man, I gotta get on a boat, you know, <laughs> I never cared. Um, but I saw this tree and I was just like, what the fuck are these kids? Like, these kids now have generational wealth, hopefully, if everything goes right. But as we see with Kanye, you can lose your generational wealth within a week if you say the wrong things. And there's going to be one Kardashian. There's going to be one Kardashian, it might be even Northwest, that like just blows the whole thing up. You know, because there's one in all of our families, right? Each one of our families has one that will blow everything to smithereens. That will be like, tell all the family secrets. That's like, I don't, I think, I think it's disgusting. I want climate change. Like they'll, they'll like actually be an activist, a real one. And that's like going to be Chris Jenner's worst nightmare. <laughs> but there will be one, just the amount of kids they have. If you just look at statistics, there will be one. But I was looking at this Christmas tree and it was so damn big. I mean, it was like they had a staff of people coming in to bring that tree. And I just thought about the logistics of all of that, of having all of these people sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements to put up this Christmas tree and then to go back to their own house. And they haven't been able to put up their Christmas tree yet or haven't even been able to afford their Christmas tree or they might not even be somebody that celebrates Christmas and they're watching this extreme opulence. And we're talking each one of these houses have this. And I was just thinking about their kids. Like, will their kids ever go to a tree lot? Will they even know what a tree lot is? Is a tree lot considered for poor people? <laughs> like, like I was like, man, that was like always, man, I, you know, if you can go to a tree lot, cause my mom had this, I think it was from Sears or JC pennies or something, but it, we still have the box. Somebody commented on it. Cause I put it up on Instagram. Because uh, I was in charge of taking down the big boxes because of the weight and because I'm strong like that. But we still, my mom has like taped up this box. It survived like, what, 35 years or whatever. Um, but it was a fake tree. It had three pieces and, you know, and like I was used to the fake tree. And I remember getting to go to a Christmas tree lot and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I was like, these kids will never get to go to a tree lot. They'll think that the magic tree elves come in and bring the tree on November 27th. And it's taller than they'll ever be. It's taller than their Uncle Tristan. It's taller than their, you know what I'm saying? They're just not going to understand. Like, it's just going to be another day where they get gifts. It's going to be another day where they have the most insane food. 
Like, do you ever think about that? Like, I would like if I was a Kardashian, I would be I would be one of the six hundred pound men that you have to like knock down a wall to like like helicopter out of there to get treatment because I would eat every like I don't have any self control. You hear me with Diet Coke. Imagine if I had the power of the Kardashian cakes. Just they're always the, the freshest baked cookies. And I, anyways, it's just becoming so completely out of control. And I just noticed this. And also Kylie uh, shared, uh, you know, this is Kylie shared a uh, a little glimpse of her baby boy with Travis Scott, who is now nine months old. Like Stormy's four years old, but uh, their son, who we still don't know the name of, is nine months old. And she did a carousel of photos shared to Instagram yesterday. And she had Stormy walking along with the baby boy. And she also had, uh, she closed out her adorable post with a snap of herself and Travis embracing, simply captioning her post highlights. Now that's sweet, right? And it gives the people what they want, this this view of this good, rich, nice family. But in reality, you know, that's what I hate about the Kardashians, even though I think their new series on Hulu is so much better in so many ways, just from filming to story is still not a peek at all behind the scenes. I mean, think about it. We still do not know the baby's name for Chloe's baby or Kylie's baby. We're not really share. You know, like, they pick and choose what to share. And when you're that big of an entity like Balenciaga, you have to, I guess, hide things. And, you know, Travis Scott, I mean, Travis Scott just had another cheating scandal that, like, was in the news for, like, two days because he's had a long-time girlfriend. Um that a lot of people know about. And then she actually posted a photo or like a little video snippet on Instagram from his music video. And he had to release a statement saying he does not know this person doesn't know how he got, they got, got there. And I'm like, and she's like, what are you talking about? We've known each other since high school. Are you kidding me? But people were also then saying that, well, she released this because she needs to distract attention away from Balenciaga. That's the other thing. You, that's why it's so fascinating to pay attention to the Kardashians because they are kind of the subset for what you can pay attention to with other pop culture stories of how people handle things now. Because people just give Kris Jenner the genius title, and she's earned it in a lot of ways. But when you have this much stuff going on, you know, and you have the world the way it is, we think everything is a conspiracy. And Kylie's already been like, this is why I don't share things with you guys, because you think it's like just an excuse for Balenciaga. Um, But I find it fascinating, because the reality of it is, is that I truly don't know. I truly don't know if it is just a sweet photo that she wanted to share a carousel of with us, the strangers that afford her her lifestyle, but she doesn't know at all. Or is it truly something that this is a planned thing to put out goodwill for the Kardashians? I'm even at a place of not knowing. And that scares me because I usually think I know everything and I don't know anymore. It's weird, right? Um, but I wanted to talk about that as well. The other last thing before we get to Martinis with Eddie, who I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Uh, by the way, that, that's why, God, this is, this is how I love tangents. 
The reason why this was late was because when we tried to record on Zoom, his mic didn't work on Zoom for some reason. So we use StreamYard, which is another you podcasters listening, you know what StreamYard is. I don't use it, but he does. And it records both audio and he had the StreamYard and it didn't download to my computer. So at like midnight last night, he's in New York. I was like, dude, you know, like, are you up? And he wasn't. I was like, can you give me your audio? So that's that was the holdup. And then I was like, well, let's see what happens over night. Uh, I do want to talk to you about Julia Fox, but I think I'm going to save that for uh, Wednesday's episode or Thursday's episode because I do. I'm very interested in some of the things that she's been posting recently. Plus, we will be getting back to uh, updated episodes of Bravo because we had Southern Hospitality premiere last night. Uh, like I said, if you're a Patreon member, the Kardashian thing is going to go up, and I think I'm going to talk to Kate Legaco and Meditza this week, and uh, we are full steam ahead. So I hope you guys are having a gentle re-entry to your Thanksgiving week. This is just a really fun, good interview. This is your the perfect interview to kind of just laugh with, to, to hear somebody's Bravo opinions, and somebody to support. We got to support these people out there. There is, I always say there's no, you know, like the only competition I have is with my mind, really, you know? Like I could say, I could bitch about this and this and this, but it's like me, I'm at war with myself always and never with these other podcasters because I want everybody to do good. Do you know how many cool people there are right out there right now doing Bravo podcasts and doing pop culture podcasts? Truly, truly cool. I'm just glad to be part of the conversation, and I'm glad you guys are here with me today, and I'm glad you'll be here with me all week, uh, even if it's just you, Mom. Uh, so I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Sorry this was late, and have a beautiful rest of your Tuesday. Uh, here is, without further ado, Martini's with Eddie. Here is Eddie. You guys, welcome back to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Today, we have uh, somebody new in my life. I think he has the best hair in the biz, and uh, you might get to see this if you're watching the YouTube version of it, but a lot of you guys just listen to the podcast version, so I am happy and excited to introduce you to somebody that, like I said, is new to me. I met him at BravoCon, but I follow him on Instagram and Twitter, and he's on the TikTok, and I, I really like, I love his Twitter, actually. Twitter, he makes some excellent points about these housewives that we follow, but you got to follow them on all the social medias as we always do. But I love having these conversations because I feel like they get back to our roots where we just talk about Bravo and housewives and it's very specific to the shows. And I get to find out why he's doing what he's doing because the further I get into this, I do not know why I am doing this. I'm like, what, why am I doing this? But anyways, our guest today is Eddie, but you might know him better as Martinis with Eddie. That is T as in T-E-A, which I think he can pull off. Like I say, as a grown man, I can never pull off. I'm going to spill the tea because I sound ridiculous. But Eddie can pull it off with grace and panache. So Eddie, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. We had so much to talk about. Yeah, by the way, you guys, uh, for, for part one of this conversation, go over and watch uh, Martinis with Eddie on YouTube. You can see our first conversation we had, which was kind of 
I, I, listen, I don't look the best now. I don't, I didn't look the best then. I was like traveling to Arizona last minute. So it was, but he, it, it's always something technologically that I still three years into this have not figured out. And it's, to this day, I feel like somebody's Lisa Rinna is probably sabotaging me in some way. Um, where where are you right now? Where do you record out of? Where uh, you're in New York, right? Yeah, upstate New York. Yes, yes. Okay, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I've been doing it for almost two years now since the pandemic started. But like, I started doing it as a hobby. It never meant to go any further than just me being a very opinionated gay. <laughs> I like to give my opinion. <laughs> As a gay man, I, I watched this show just to give my opinion, and suddenly yeah. my it seemed like it clicked with a lot of people, and that's how Martini with Eddie was born. Okay, so this was a pandemic. I feel like a lot of us started during the pandemic, which I, I think is probably one of the only good things about the pandemic, is that we were all trapped watching these shows and re-watching these shows. Uh, what were you watching during the pandemic in terms of Bravo, and what did you re-watch during the pandemic? Rewatching Beverly Hills. I've been watching Beverly Hills since day one. Like that's my <laughs> franchise and my go-to. So I watched the like three times uh, during the pandemic. It was. I think it was. Wait, what? Fun. What did you, What did you pick up during each? I mean, was each time different? Like, ooh, I'm noticing I like Lisa Vanderpump more this viewing than I did last viewing. Yes, and also uh, the the storylines started to click better. As I watched them over and over again, I was like, wait a minute, I missed this detail. Like now I can connect stuff that's happening right now to back them even quicker because I'm like, wait a minute, I, I know that this this wasn't the issue they were having back in the day. There's something else. <laughs> um, uh, Beverly Hills was that one. I watched Potomac uh, most recently. Um, I watched the franchise very on and off when it first came out, but then I got really invested and I realized that that is a top tier, uh, like, Oh franchise. yeah, no, it is a, t it's an insanely good franchise. In fact, last night's episode, we're recording this on a Monday. Last night's episode had a lot of the things that you want in a housewives episode. You had a drink being thrown. You had sexual allegations being thrown out. You had John Hopkins university, uh, <laughs> You had John Hopkins University not taking credit for Dr. Wendy Yosefo. You had Karen in The Matrix. I mean, it really had so many great little moments. Did you like last night's episode of Potomac? Oh, I loved it. Um, obviously, yeah. there's some topic that needs to be seriously talked about about last night. But in general, this episode gave me everything. It gave me drama. It gave me fun. It gave me people using the same deodorant. I'm like, who? Uh, like, what? <laughs> Or 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 uh, Robin say, Robin saying that she likes to shower nude around her kids. I mean, we all shower nude, but she says, "Yeah, my kids see me shower nude sometimes." And I'm like, "Dude, if I ever, I would never just casually walk in on my mom nude shower. At no point ever. was that ever even a Ryan come on in here. I dropped the soap kind of a thing." And Robin acted all like like it was just yeah, it's no big deal. I'm doing what I do. I was shocked how they just like casually was were talking about it. And like I never walked into my any of my parents, my dad, my mom. That was like such a like private moment. So uh when they were just casually talking about it, I was, I was wondering, like, did I grow up in a very weird family where nobody wanted to see each other naked? Or this is like 
Like what happened oh, here? Oh, so you're thinking that might be the right way to do it, yeah. and your family's done it the wrong. Okay, that that's actually a great way to look at it. I was all like, no, I think my family did it the right way. In fact, I do. The only thing I will say, Bill Bailey, my dad, used to sleep in the nude. I remember that as a very little kid, and then I think at some point my mom must have told him he had to start wearing underwear because we started growing up. Like I do remember that being okay. I've got to take. I, I, that that is weird now. Now you're I'm I'm I guess I've repressed memories that are coming out right now. Um I do detect a little bit of an accent. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I was born in Spain. Uh, okay, what part I, of Spain were you born? Madrid. My mother is Colombian, so uh, I got the opportunity to like grow up in both countries and like enjoy both cultures and then we moved here to the states when I was around 13. So I've been most of my life here, basically, but I I, I love my my Spaniards. Madrid um, Madrid is amazing. I got to spend some time in Madrid uh, right before the pandemic, and it was just truly uh, an experience I'll never forget in my life. It was just you know the siestas and just the way oh. people walk around the streets and such. A, I don't know. It's just such a more just seems like so much happier than America sometimes. <laughs> just that vibe. I just remember walking around the streets, just loving it. And to me, the food is just like... Oh, I mean, give me yeah. a break. Oh, I mean, like, like listen, like the even, the, even the like the gin and tonic, the G&Ts, the like, I mean, every, just the way they presented food and drink, and it, it's, I'm such a geek for that kind of stuff. What is, growing up there, what was your opinion of America, or how did pop culture travel? I always am interested in that, of like, what stood out in Madrid growing up for you as a boy, that you were like, ooh, the housewives, or ooh, this... Um, well, I have, I have cousins here They were born here. So I, I used to come here all the time before we moved here. So pop culture and American culture was like, kind of like part of my growing up too. So, um, I always was so invested on like the Hollywood. That was my, that was like my dream. My dream was like, I want to move to Hollywood, become a <laughs> star or some kind of like, you know, entertaining <laughs> person. Um, then I realized that I like to be more like behind the scenes. So I went to school for uh, filmmaking and photography. Um, and that's kind of like what I fell into, like, you know, fashion photography and all this stuff when I was living in the city. Um, but then uh, we moved up here and the pandemic. So all these like outlets of uh, creativity kind of like closed. And this how, you know, podcasting and meeting people online became my my yeah. outlet of being, you know, creative. It is. I mean, I, I, I mean, I listen, I grew up in Kansas and that was my story. Like I wanted, I dreamed of going to Hollywood. Like that was the dream of seeing TV and movie stars and watching all of these entertainment tonights and access Hollywoods. And then, you know, you get here to Hollywood and you, you know, it is funny how life takes you in different paths. And, you know, I just never thought this would be the path of, I always loved these shows, but I just never thought, and the audience is probably sick of me saying this by now. I just never thought there was an audience for this kind of stuff of dissecting these women and these shows, but it is funny. And also you talk about community. There is such a great, sometimes scary community involved with Bravo that we actually both got to experience at BravoCon. Uh, right. What was your experience at BravoCon? Well, uh, at first overwhelming because I was like, oh my God, there's so many people. Like you said, the community, like I was not expecting to see that many people there. 
like I knew it was going to be bigger than 2019. I didn't go to 2019. So um, my idea was like, I've been to like Comic-Con and stuff like that. But this time it felt like it was like a whole different universe. Uh, the beginning of the, uh, you know, the panels, like being at the panels, seeing the, the Bravo Labs and, and, and seeing them in, in real life, it just changed the concept of watching them on TV for me. It became more human. It became less of like, oh, TV stars or reality TV stars or whatever. It's like I saw in hum- like a human side to them and also the opportunity to meet other fans and content creators like yourself. Like it, it, was, it was so overwhelming. And then towards the end, I'm like, okay, I need to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too much, too much. Yeah, I did, I, but it almost, you, you know, you, it, did it ruin it for you at all to be, to be able to humanize these people in a way that the shows aren't able to do sometimes? Did I, that take away some of the magic for you? Not really. Uh, maybe because, like I told you, like I went to school for filmmaking, I kind of understand the, the S2 type of reality behind a TV show or anything like that. But it actually made me love them even more, make me more excited to watch them on TV, make me more excited to get to know them because those maybe five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever time I spent with some of them made me excited to get to know them even more. And the best way to do it is by watching the show. So, And also, um, you know, share the experience with other people on Twitter. It, it was yeah. like, it, it's, it's incredible. Well, I mean, Twitter, by the way, which I think I know you're very active on, and I talked about on uh, Monday's show, is that, you know, Twitter now is owned by Elon Musk, and it's going through some changes. Where, I mean, as an active Twitter user, what are you noticing online? Because also, you know, for those of you not on Twitter, we always talk about it like, oh, there's Housewives Twitter, or there's Sports Twitter, or there's this Twitter. And it usually just means that, like, everything I see in my Twitter feed is either political or Housewives or oriented so it's like this weird bipolarity that you're seeing and it's in real time uh but now elon has it and he's you know reinstituting people and all of this stuff uh what are you noticing so far and will there ever be a time that you're like "Ah, i don't know if twitter is going to be my thing anymore well um it's chaotic that's uh, that's what i noticed (laughs) i mean if twitter was chaotic before it's like in time in wars because (laughs) Uh, now people are freaking out that it might, you know, it might, it might die, or where are we going if we actually shut down? And now you have this person running this uh, business, like it's like, uh, I don't know, uh, the cafeteria in a high school where he's allowing <laughs> the mean people to come back and. And, and free speech and all this stuff. I'm like, people don't and by the way, there's already plenty of mean people still on Twitter. Yes. I want to put. I mean, it, it's not like that, don't don't think that Twitter's the nice place because it's not. But he's even letting the even meaner people back on. So it even <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But it, it's a bummer because there's such a great joy if you do love the housewives to go on and like put your thoughts out there and really see people respond to it. Yeah, and that's why I love Twitter. Like, it's the easy, quick response of uh, you know people on on my account. Like, I have like you said, I I have uh, Instagram, I have uh, a podcast, I have YouTube, and all this stuff. But on Twitter, the 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 answers and replies to my posts are so almost immediately happen that makes me excited. And I'm afraid that that platform is gonna be taken away. Uh, that's why I even created my own website right now because I'm trying to save as much of like the community that I have 
that if it doesn't work here, I can move it to a personal one. Like, you know, yeah. like, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And it's quite scary because um, there's nothing like the housewife Twitter. I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's chaotic, it's toxic sometimes, but most of the time you always have the joy of knowing that there is millions of people out there who identify with your opinion. So that feeling of joy just for me joy. Obviously with a you know Twitter and having such like reach, you're always gonna get those you know, trolls and haters. But you know, you learn how to mute that, you learn how to like, you know, like put it in the back and just enjoy the ride. I mean, Twitter is a ride. One of my favorite Twitter things is that they'll always be like, um, I'm seeing a lot of disrespect for fill in the blank uh, favorite housewife. I will not stand for that. You know, like they're always like, uh, you know, everybody has their favorite housewife and they're willing to defend them to the death. You know, like, so who are your favorite housewives? Uh, Lisa Vanderpump is my old time favorite housewife. Why? Uh, Dennis uh, Garcelle Sutton. Uh, I love Nene Leakes. Like, gosh, I love her. I love uh, Candace on Potomac. Um, yeah, I mean, and and that's just a handful of housewives. And outside housewives, I love Ariana from Vanderpump Rules. I love the, you know, the whole, every single cast member of the family, Karma. You know, Winter House, I, I love those kids. I mean, it, it's just such a, like amazing community in, on the Bravo universe. <laughs> Who do you dislike in the Bravo universe? Oh, <laughs> it's going to get spicy. I cannot stand Lisa Renna. I cannot. And I, I, I really like her. I don't know why you don't like her. I'm joking. I yeah. cannot. I, I, I prefer Erica Jane. That's how much I dislike Lisa Renna. <laughs> Well, I've got good. I've got weird news for you. I don't, I'm sure you paid attention to this. Uh, guess who was at the Elton John concert last night together? Was Diana Jenkins? I have Diana Jenkins. Diana Jenkins, Asher, Harry Hamlin, Lisa Rinna, and Erica Jane. I got free tickets. Yeah. And so once again. Diana Jenkins has pay. Uh, you know those guys got tickets through Diana Jenkins because Diana Jenkins is friends with Elton John because she does the AIDS fundraiser. But once again, we're now stirring up BS off season because they're posting all braggy photos, and you know Lisa Rinna didn't pay for those Elton John tickets. You know she didn't. No, she did not. I'm pretty sure that this is Diana's way to hold on to that diamond, that last chance to keep it. Like, I saw Crystal, so maybe Crystal also is trying to do it. I mean, she wasn't with them. She she had a special place. I saw her post on on her Instagram. Uh, but I do find it very interesting how now that the show is over, they're still trying to like showcase this like friendship between Diana and, and Rena and Erica. And I'm like, please no. We don't yeah. need this. We don't want it. Send it back in the mail. Well, I kind of I, like if they didn't pick up any of those ladies for next season, I always wonder, like, would they still be friends for life? Will they still be invited to these free events by Diana Jenkins? And the thing that I keep speculating about is that we had news this week of Erica Jane's earrings. These diamond earrings are that were valued at, at such an expensive rate are going to go for auction at like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is wild for that 
kind of diamond to go that low in price. And I also think Diana Jenkins will end up buying those diamonds for Erica. I think it's, I think Diana Jenkins is so fooled by these ladies that she thinks they're the ones that actually have power when in a way it's like, well, I guess if you mean power in the sense that we all really say mean things about them and don't like them because they're a-holes like maybe that's power but she seems to be aligning herself with those two ladies in particular who are the thirstiest with their hands out the most yes and and i told you on our first uh conversation that diana came on the show with a agenda fed by lisa rena which made me dislike her because um I would have given Diana a chance to be a, a like a housewife and you know that I would like because she has everything to be a good housewife. She has three hundred and fifty million dollars in the bank. She yeah. has uh you know a, a good looking husband and a beautiful home and and some weird quirky ways of seeing life, like not knowing what a an outlet is and like she's allergic to dust and send the people to the to the hotels like she has all this stuff that make her a potential good housewife but she didn't have that chance to shine because she's so invested in this argument with Sutton and anything that Lisa Rana wanted to fit her to go against that she became just like a background noise like 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 a like a special guest not like an actual housewife. I wish you, there are those sliding door moments, and I wish there was a sliding door moment where we would really see where Lisa Rinna would be now if she had never been cast on Real Housewives. Where would she be? Like, where, I mean, like, honestly, try to think about it because, you know, if you, once you get those dancing out of the, dancing with the stars things out of the way and all of that, where is there a home for Lisa Rinna? I always tell you guys this in regards to any reality star is that where do they go from here? And then the big thing is usually you, you know, the big move is now to get back on your show. You know, you have Tamara back on OC, you have uh, Freddie Mellencamp seems desperate to get back on. And now they're, I mean, Bethany Frankel's getting into our lane where she's doing podcasting and re I mean, she's always been doing podcasting, but doing rewatch podcasting and all of a sudden saying that she's, you know, a proud to talk about these shows when she's made fun of them for so long. What is your take on housewives once they leave and struggle to uh, find work. <laughs> well, that's I always find it interesting whenever they try to get back on the show, but in a very thirsty way, where you know that every other door out there is closing in their faces, and they are like looking back into their housewife times and wanted to come back. Um, I'm looking at Teddy, perhaps. <laughs> like, no. Um, like I can see why Tamara, I mean, I, I honestly, you guys, I can see why Tamara got back on. I can see yeah. it, but Freddie, I just feel like there's no, like, I'm like, no offense. I mean, like, honestly, no offense. Like, I'm not trying to like, I, I just don't. And this is the part of like housewives Twitter that you guys don't know about. There will be people that'll be like, she's keeping you talking about her. That's how, and it's like. Yeah, because this is so bizarre because it's like no like you like we're arguing about like air. Like it just is there. It's like she's just it's just there. There's nothing like sure, if somebody calls out sick, Freddie's a good replacement to like if you need a body for like movement in the background, like an extra. But she's never like I I almost feel like that's what makes Freddie kind of funny is that 
she potentially won't ever work on herself enough to be interesting. And that kind of makes her interesting because it's this, this, this wild attempt to get back on a show that you shouldn't have been on to begin with. Yeah, I'm so she, sorry. That's harsh, but that. It, no, yeah, she should listen to her all in whatever. Uh, what's it called? Accountability stuff. And yeah, accountable. That she's boring. Yeah, wait. In Teddy, in Freddie's all in program, does it? I mean, I'm sure it has to have some sort of like be realistic, like be realistic about yourself and your body and all of that. I feel like Freddie's completely unrealistic about where she stands in the Housewives pantheon, and that's why it shocks me. Like, I think Carlos King, who produced some of these shows, said that he thought Freddie was a good housewife, and I'm like, it's man. I love that we can all have so differing opinions, but there are certain things that I feel like we should all agree on. And the Freddie one to me is just an easy one of like, why can't we all agree on that at least? And like this, this should be like an universal, uh, you know, opinion just because even the time that she was on the show, nobody truly liked her. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly it's very interesting the timing now that everybody's trying to go like, Oh, the, the four Fox five and all those stuff. Yeah. I'm like, please, no. I'm tired of the traveling pen sisters. Like, I'm <laughs> done with them. I need somebody new. I don't want Freddie. Well, yeah, also induct somebody else. Like, I think the Fox Force Five should have induction ceremonies and they should, like, kick people out. It should be, like, Menudo, where, like, people outgrow the Fox Force Five. Like, they, they, sh- they shouldn't keep the same lineup, the Fox Force Five. Like, right. if you're not on the show, you should get your Fox Force Five membership card revoked, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I mean, when it comes to um, Freddie, I feel like she's trying way too hard all the time. She is going after fans way too often. Like, girl, you have a family. You have a business. What are you doing on Twitter well, with people? And I swear to God, she's one of the ones, and we're just using her as an example, but she's one of the ones that said, well, when I'm on off Housewives, you won't see me trying to get back on there. And that's all we've seen. None of these, and th- this is why it makes me so, like, I'm always a glass half empty kind of guy anyways, but it makes me sad because if I was Bethany Frankel or Freddie Mellencamp, I would be like, okay, obviously... I've done some, I've done well in life to a certain degree, probably not as much Freddie, but like Bethany's a certified millionaire and you're telling me she wants to still grab this air and this attention and this oxygen. She can't let that go. That shocks me. And it makes me not want to be a millionaire because obviously they're just as miserable as we are still. And I hate that for Bethany because I actually like her doing the show and how far she had come after her life in Housewife. It's just her latest, like, a, like one attention over this. Like, Bethany, you made millions, millions out of Housewife. I mean, like, truly, like, like this is no joke. She, she, she got the golden parachute. She, she did something that nobody else was able to do, and we watched her, and we were so proud of her. And she even helps; like her charity work is so amazing, and yet she's still so tacky, <laughs> enriching so much. Like her, uh, like TikTok obsession. Like, please, Bethany, that's not a thing. You are a very strong, independent businesswoman. That's not your market. 
Like, read the room. Read the well, room. I, I always think I'm like, okay, well, what would be the price for me? Like, where would I tap out of the, you know, the the rich world of podcasting where we're we're all making millions of dollars over here in podcasting world? But what would be the number where you would never hear from me again? Because guess what, folks? Like, I love doing this, but also I have so many. I used to read books. I used to like uh, enjoy literature. I love travel. I used to hang out with people. All of that's done. And I think, I would hope that if I had a success like Bethany, that I would be like, you are never going to see or hear from me again. And I'm going to go try to make my personal life work. No, and like, people, we do this podcast because truly we love these crazy, crazy people because it's a full-time job. You know that we yeah. have to watch shows? There's no crazy. days off. There's no day. Like, Bravo no. doesn't give any days off, and always there's something happening. That's why I, I wish there was some rules in place with social media because then you even have that thing where I got then enraged last night when Erica Jane and Lisa Renner are at the Elton John concert, and I'm like, mother, that's breaking news to me. And I'm like, we got to we gotta talk about We got to get this handled right now. I, I just... Okay, so to to bring it back to Beverly Hills, Kathy Hilton, the introduction of her, since we are coming off of the season, what was your opinion of her? Because, you, by the way, I always thought Kathy Hilton is a different kind of villain, and that's why I was more inclined to enjoy her. Because the Lisa Rinna of it all, this is my reason why, and I would tell this to Lisa's face, I just feel like she's doing now the same thing again and again. So as a viewer, for me, it's not as exciting because it seems like, you know, time to give him the old razzle-dazzle, and she's like half-assing it by yelling louder. That's right. And I've been saying that for seasons and seasons. Like, uh, when she came on the show, I mean, it was exciting. I, I never liked Rena even before. I'm not a big fan of soap operas, as it is. So I was like, oh, my God. Wait, wait, you're not a big fan of soap operas, yet you love Real Housewives? Right. I think you might like you. You should give I mean, soap operas a chance. You you I might like it. Like, I, everything that I think about soap operas, I think about, like, my mom and my grandma watching them. <laughs> like, I don't want to be associated <laughs> with that generation just yet. <laughs> well, uh, but, but by the way, I know exactly what you're talking about. I grew up on a street of all girls in Kansas, and we, they, I would watch Days of Our Lives on school, like, on summer breaks with them. It was, like, at noon every – and I would watch that, and we would watch our stories, and then you would realize – but it's so funny. I've just traded that for these. Like, yes. these are my stories now, and I think there's something comforting in it – or at least an excuse for myself that I'm watching what is quote unquote reality. Like I'm watching a documentary and that's why it's classier than a soap opera. <laughs> because it's real. Yeah. This well, is real. Real. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, like when she came on the show, she, she, you know, she got people excited and I was interested, but then the following season, I started to see the same pattern of not having your own storyline, but just like, just writing to tell somebody else's drama and using somebody else's, you know, uh, you know, struggles as like weaponizing alcoholism and stuff like that. So we're like, uh, I don't, I don't like Yeah, it. you did rewatches and she, I mean, people really don't realize like she said really harmful things about Kim Richards, of course, but also she's the one that said the Yolanda and the, you know, the, the Munchausen, uh, the Munchausens, which by the way, Lisa Rinna, you know, yeah. God bless her social media, you know, did a post of her in a dress going, the one thing I regret is Yolanda. That was wrong. 
But that's the only thing I regret. I'm like, what? what pose. Who, who are you talking to? Like, what are you doing? You, I mean, that pose was so insincere. She's like, it's a pose of herself with this like skanky dress, looking yeah. down. <laughs> like, and her hand, her hands are like, her hands look like her hands are doing blackface. Like they're a completely different shade than her face. Like it's like the bizarrest thing ever. And it doesn't make any sense. And somebody pointed out to me, and I agree with that. It's interesting how she's trying to apologize to Yolanda when she's trying to make her daughters these like big, um, you know, supermodels. Because you know that they had these are actual supermodels. Like those <laughs> girls walk. These- They're still considered Bella Hadid, and I mean the you know the Hadid, Hadid sisters are. I mean, one's dating Leonardo DiCaprio now, for God's sakes. Those are supermodels. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Amelia Bedelia could barely hang on to Scott Disick. And that's why I always say it's like, you know, the B level of that. Because Yolanda never, and, and Yolanda has her issues, you guys. I'm not saying she's perfect, but she never came off needy. Yeah. You know, she never came off. And Rinna reeks of neediness and uh, desperation. And you guys that like her, you're like, well, she's creating drama. And I'm like, you know that there's enough drama to be created by just our own natural lives? Like, in Salt Lake, are you watching Salt Lake this season? I am, yes. Now, they have Heather Gay's Choir, which is uh, very just, very housewives to me. But also, at the same time, I always want to say, you guys know, like... You could just put a camera on them in front of like a couple couches and I would watch this. You don't need to do choir. Like I I appreciate the choir auditions. It makes me laugh, but you don't even need to go that far. These ladies are kind of magical in the sense that they can talk at these dinner scenes like we saw on Potomac last night and they can just start natural drama. Yes. And Let's be honest. That choir audition was so low budget. It was. It's like, not a choir if there's eight people. <laughs> it's like it's barely a boy band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, see, like, I, this is the. Why am I dropping so many Menudo references? But Menudo had way too many. Menudo's more of a chorus than that. I mean, the Battery Boys are more of a chorus. In Sync is a chorus if that is what she considers a chorus. Yes, and the funniest part is, is like if you have been watching Soul Like Citizen, like season one, you know each person in that line. So <laughs> yeah, we, by the way, we're familiar with everybody. Like it is, they make Salt Lake seem like there's only a population of 200 people. Like it really, and we know it, that's not it, but it always looks so dreary and so cold and like snowy everywhere. But yet there's always like a new restaurant they're trying out, which shocks me because it's like they make it look like there's like five city square blocks and they're always moving to new houses and they're all like by the way jen keeps saying she's downsizing but they're always still bigger than any place i've ever lived in so we're supposed to feel bad for her what is your take on the jen shaw situation off you know like off the show but also how they present her on the show um well i before BravoCon, i was I had a very strong opinion of Jen. I was not giving her a chance. Uh, I was judging her by her crimes. Um, hardcore. Just like I went really hard on Erica. I'm just like, I don't like when people take advantage of the, the 
you know the elderly and kids and victims. I hate that. I feel like oh, that's that's well, that's what a what a bold statement. I usually a lot of people, a lot of us like that when they like that. Yeah, exactly. wow, what a what a way to take a stand, Eddie. That's great. That's <laughs> so I I I I didn't have anything nice to say about her, but then BravoCon came around. I got the opportunity to to see her and and kind of meet her, whatever. Uh, so uh, my you my, met Jen Shaw at BravoCon. Yes. And what was get, run us through what it's like to meet Jen Shaw at BravoCon? It, it was it was crazy because I was not expecting her to be such a good time person. Oh, really? Because I feel like I would only expect that because that's why everybody is so willing to like go down in flames with her. Yeah, but you know, like maybe because I I watch her on the show being you know quite um, aggressive to like not like aggressive like mean like meaning like. She has a strong personality. Yeah. And um, she, she, I, I was afraid that I was going to meet her and be like, okay, I, I can't talk to her because she had this air of like, okay, I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I'm, my presence is here, whatever. So uh, when I met her, she was the opposite. She was very welcoming, very, you know, engaging. Um, and that's when I realized um, I was like, maybe, maybe, just maybe she is a good person. Maybe. I don't know. So, I <laughs> okay. Thought, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me stop you right there. Did you give her your social security number at any point? Not. Did you absolutely give her any kind not. of financial information? Did you give her? I, Eddie. See, this is how. By the way, this is how people get scammed. We're watching this in real time, listening to Eddie with this in real time. I'm going. She was so fun. You know what? She might have just be a great person who made one uh, simple mistake. When this is after years and years and years, you guys, this is what scam artists do. You think scam artists all are like bad people? No, they're the best people you've ever met in your life, and you want to have their light shine on you. This is why I feel like Heather Gay is going down with this ship. This is why Meredith and Lisa Barlow, they're the main storyline this season instead of Jen Shaw. Which is crazy. I mean, we have a, I mean, somebody who, I mean, said, yes, I did these crimes. You know, Jen Shaw, at the end of the season, she is going to, you know, to, you know, I say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not innocent. I did this. You know, we know that because it happened right at the end of filming the, the season. But during the season, she still have the audacity to say, I'm innocent. I'm innocent every single episode. So to me, it's very interesting how the, the, the lie is on somebody, on a choir instead of on her. Because it's, it was actually developing at that point. We haven't heard about Jen Shah's case on the show. And we are already halfway through the season, which is insanity to me. Because the, the case was developing as the season was being filmed. And we are talking <laughs> about a dang choir. No, I, 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 I find it that... See, that's why, like, I kind of start enjoy. I find different ways to enjoy the housewives. Sometimes, like on Potomac, I can just enjoy it as like a housewife show because I feel like that's what a housewife show is. Salt Lake, I enjoy on a completely like David Lynch, Twin Peaks. Nothing makes sense. It's all like little, like little people. Like it's just like it's all odd and like you're in the nether because you can't possibly understand why there's this whole criminal activity yet we're focusing on Meredith and Seth in a taint in a bathtub and you're you know like. There's all these weird things happening that don't necessarily click together. But at some point, I got to say, I still personally find it so entertaining. And a lot of people don't like Salt Lake this season, which I don't understand. I think it's uh, 
think it's a good season uh, as a housewife season because we have everything. We have choirs. We have pain in a, in a tub. We have uh, uh, alleged blowjob for for uh, side court for, for tickets to a basketball game. And wait, but what is it? Wait, what is it though? Like, let's like Lisa Barlow, Meredith, like you know, like I I, I hear I hear rumors about Lisha, uh, and it's like either rumor, like she's sleeping with people to get the tickets to the the game, and she's also sleeping with people supposedly to get Vita Tequila into uh to bars oh, and stuff like that. So yeah. she's sleeping like there's like does she sleep for like the Diet Cokes at like Seven Eleven? Like, now is my favorite part of the show where I get to talk about our sponsor. And this week, So Bad It's Good is once again sponsored by our friends at BetterHelp. Now, listen, I talk about my own personal mental health all the time. And that includes um, things that I try to do to make my mental health better. That might mean hiking for me. That might take mean taking my antidepressants. It also means talking to my BetterHelp therapist. Um... There is, mm, I'm trying to think of the way to say this, it's just there's so many times in life where you wish that there was a user manual. You wish that you knew exactly the thing to do. And that's just like what life isn't. It's that unfortunately we don't have a manual on everything to do. So we sometimes, we all the time, we need to talk to somebody else. We need to get somebody else's opinion. We need to help be shown the right path in certain ways. Um, sometimes when you don't have somebody to kind of bounce that off of, you feel stuck or I feel stuck. I have felt stuck all weekend, you guys. I have felt stuck uh, a lot. I'm making a lot of, I feel, really random poor choices. I've overworked myself. I'm doing a lot of things that you shouldn't do. And I need to talk to somebody I need to talk to my BetterHelp therapist more because navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel like really unsure. You know, it's you guys might have a career change. You have a new relationship. You're becoming a parent. Um, and therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. And we are all different. We really are. We're kind of these really weird, beautiful machines, but we can't just do it by ourselves. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. Whether or not you've been in therapy before, um, it always helps to have a therapist um, because it helps you with coping skills. It also helps you with self-empowerment. It helps you deal with trauma for specific events. Um, and, and it's something that has always, always helped me. And I have to be honest with you, it sometimes scares me because it's the last thing you want to do. It's like when I complain to you guys about going to work out with my trainer because physically I don't want to do it. Sometimes it's the same thing mentally because you don't want to do it. It's like sometimes the last thing you want to do. But I swear, once you get out of there, you feel so much better and so much stronger. And I don't even care if that sounds cheesy. It's just really, really the case. And especially at the holidays, you guys. This is the toughest time of the year for some people. This is the time where we need this kind of stuff the most. Um, so 
As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. So there goes two excuses out the window. You can do it online, you don't have to go anywhere, and it is affordable, which I know actually matters. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, this is important, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. So it couldn't be simpler. They try to make it really easy for you. There are no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. You can learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash so bad. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash so bad. Give this to, give this like a holiday gift to yourself, you guys. You've earned it and we're going to have to deal with the end of the year. And I would much rather have somebody to bounce things off of going into the new year. And I think that's where better help comes into play. Like, what is she, is she sleeping with everybody for everything? And how much sleeping is she? I, it just doesn't make sense or doesn't seem real to me. Yeah, I, I, I there is a lot of uh, sleeping on Salt Lake City. I want to know how these people have a life. They're sleeping with everybody. Yeah, I mean, and also the cameras aren't going to pick up on like Lisa. Lisa can't be here again tonight. She says she's out of town. And like, like she, you, you'd catch. It's like Erica Jane when she's like, "I'm getting so much dick. I'm getting dick, honey." And then we never see it at all. Like, there's not even a hint of dick from Erica Jane ever. Even last night at the concert, we didn't see her with a dude. It was at, like she was the fifth wheel in that couple sandwich of Harry and Lisa and Asher and Diana. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I wouldn't be surprised that she's going to say, oh, I got so much dick at the concert. Yeah, yeah, she goes, I fucked out John. Yeah, I got out John's dick. Uh, He's gay, Erica. Ah, not last night. He got Erica Jane. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, uh, taints and tubs, 
what are you feeling about Winter House this season? You said you liked it, but we, I thought, had, I, I talked about this last week, you know, Crypto Lindsay, Jess, who looks like Lindsay, you know, we had a really a breakthrough. I thought she broke a glass ceiling for women when she got to bring up squirting on the show. But it turns out that wasn't the first time. There was also Aviva's dad had brought up squirting on Real Housewives of New York years earlier. So I thought that was like a first time on Bravo, but it wasn't a first. It was a second. What is your opinion on Winter House and those crazy kids? I love these kids. I Maybe because <laughs> I, I had... Like that type of like fraternity vibe growing up with my cousins and stuff. So the whole beer pong, keg stand, yeah, all the stuff. I'm into it. I love it. It's and fun to watch. It's fun. It's to easy. Watch. It's easy. It's easy to watch. And I don't get the hangover. At least I'm, I'm living through their craziness now. Um, but last episode, I'm kind of disappointed on Sheen uh, uh, Lindsay. Uh, well. Uh, well, I call her crypt, crypto Lindsay, or you can call it low budget Lindsay. You go, I mean, listen, I know what you're talking. I was overall disappointed about the entire episode because I felt like the, I, I was expecting explosions Yeah, and it just took so long because you had Lindsay and Austin seeing each other after Austin. Like, what was your, do you think Austin should have tattled on Lindsay about that night at the wedding, putting her hand supposedly allegedly on Austin's junk? I just I just didn't like that he shared the information with the other girls. If it, it feels very gossipy, you know, I like. Well, it feels it, gossipy for somebody that like literally was trying to fuck half the summer house the like last season. Like yes. all of a sudden he's like, I felt violated. Oh, and we've seen him literally make moves of like, I want to like I've seen him. Remember that episode of Summer House when him and Lindsay went and grabbed dinner before the rest and they were drunk and he's like, I don't I want to sleep in your room tonight. Yeah. He was like being aggressive towards Lindsay when he knew full well that Sierra also liked him too. And now all of a sudden he's coming in going that night she put her hand on my private parts and it made me feel weird. Like I just don't buy it Yeah, from Austin. Yeah. I I, honestly, I, I was watching it and I was like, wait a minute, dude, like you, you shouldn't be sharing this information with anyone because you just said that you didn't want to talk about it. Now suddenly you're talking about it on national TV with a group of people instead of going to the person that is coming into the house, you know, like she's, yeah, I mean, if, if by the way, do that scene. I mean that, it, and it's such a reality show thing. Like, I, I guess I'm glad that it, cause it creates drama, but we didn't get to see the after effects of it because we didn't get to see yet the conversation between Lindsay and Austin, which I pray, this is actually what I use my prayers for. I pray that we get to see it this week on winter house, because if not also, and now you have Carl thrown into the mix because they're engaged to be married. And it just feels like, yo, like this is like real stuff now. Like this is not. Like that's that's an engagement that you really could throw some doubt into Carl's head. I just don't buy it. It's like Lisa Rinna with the reliable narrator thing. I don't think she's a reliable narrator, nor do I think Austin's a reliable narrator because I've seen how he acts when he's drunk around girls. I just don't buy that he was like, no, Lindsay, stop. No, it's my pee-pee. Stop. No, you know? That's right. And also, I was enjoying Amanda trying to connect the dates the whole entire episode. <laughs> By the way, she got me so like ever since the pandemic, I don't even know what date it is anyways. So she got me confused because I was like, they got married in September and then in October they announced. And I was trying to be like, wait, what is that? 
What does that mean? Like, what is she trying to let us know? And to me, what I came up with was that that night they made it official three weeks later, Carl and Lindsay. But why is that a bad thing? Why does that mean any? Like, I mean, why? What? What? What does that mean to you? I'm still trying to figure that out. It doesn't seem relevant. Yeah, like I'm like I'm like yeah. Relevant. That's three weeks later. Like that would be like if it was the next day with Carl, then I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of messed up and weird. But it was three weeks later. Well, what what would be the appropriate amount of time for them to have hooked up after she drunkenly put her hand on Austin's crotch? Um, I don't know. I, honestly, I'm trying to figure out what she was trying to go with this information. I, I don't even know. I just found it really entertaining because the editors, being messy as they are, they put like all these like you know numbers and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, that's entertaining. <laughs> the information is so unnecessary. Well, <laughs> Sometimes they throw they show too many flashbacks when I want them just to like go just right on screen and bold type like tell me what you want us to know. Say this is what we're trying to let you know. Like this is what this means. Just let me know because I'm tired of like guessing with some of these people, and I feel like they don't even know the time. Like it, they don't. E- they're not even good with numbers. I mean, Craig's throwing money to get the main room he's given $500 here and there do you think Craig and Paige are the first couple of Bravo now um I mean I like them as a couple but I don't think they're like the first couple of Bravo I mean um uh, they uh, I feel like I mean I don't want to I don't I don't want to jinx the relationship but I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like them together that much why don't you like, like them together I feel like they're working. It's like they are trying real hard to make a relationship work. I don't know. Maybe it's what I see on the screen. I mean, I'm not. I don't know them in person. Like I don't hang out with them, so I don't know. But what I see on the show is like it's two different type of personalities trying to make a relationship work way too hard. It doesn't doesn't feel like it's organic. But like yeah. who knows? Maybe outside the show, it is organic, and that's why it's working. Um, it's like the opposite with uh, with Kyle and Amanda. I, I love them together because it makes sense. When you see them talking on the show, when you see them interacting, the way that they interact, that makes sense. Maybe to me because I've been married for four years. That's how it is. Like we joke about things. We, we Yeah, I thought that, that bathroom moment about like you take longer in the bathroom pooping than I do. That was a very real relationship moment yeah. to me. Yeah. And and. Um, when it comes down to to Paige and 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 Craig, I'm like, he he seems to be the type of guy who wants the girl just to like kind of ignore that he is a fuckboy, perhaps. <laughs> Craig is like a fuckboy that's like has girlish tastes. And, yes, and and but 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 by the way, like because I was like, what? Like I was like trying to make the comparison of Craig and Jax, but I don't think Craig cheats. I think Craig, but there's something, the ego there is so, there's an ego issue with Craig that I think has always been there. I don't think he's just started this ego trip now. I just think he's saying it out loud, what he's always thought about himself inside. He's now just like, ha ha, I have money and pillows to back it up now, so you can't say that I'm wrong, you know? Yes, and it's backfiring to him because this season he is the most, annoying cast member in that trip he became like the drunken one the one that is always causing issues like you know like 
I was shocked that Kyle is not the drunken one this time around. Kyle seems like a teetotaler. He seems like he's on, like, Kyle seems classy by, I mean, I mean, Craig threatened to throw Luke out of a window. And I mean, that's really, truly, I mean, I was like, but at the same time, people, I I love everybody how we love different shows. Like, that's why I love Winter House, because it's like, damn, they're in this kind of shithole place in Stowe, Vermont, and they're all, they have all a little bit of money now, and they all, like, want to, like, keep impressing each other with their, like, physical agility with sports. They're binge drinking. We got this new guy, Corey, who wears a pearl necklace and tries to hit on, like, he tries to use the game against girls of, like, negging girls, and and it's working, and he has an 11-inch stick, which is just, like, good for you, bud, but, like, it it it's just insane to me, but it's the to me one of the most watchable shows on Bravo. I agree. It gives me old school reality TV show, like MTV type of TV show, like back in the day, like Real World and stuff like that. Those shows yes, yes, that's amazing. that's it exactly. It has real world vibes. It has real world vibes when Red Bull, Red Bull, and vodka were introduced. Like, not the real, it was like real world, like past season six of real world. Like, because the first couple seasons of real world, they really were like into issues and talking about race and talking about sexuality. And then it got eventually to just like, we're just going to go out and drink Red Bull vodkas and fuck in the hot tub. Like, that's what Winter House is. And I that miss was, it. Like, I remember Las Vegas was the one who opened, the one that opened that, that gate. I remember clearly MTV Real World Las Vegas was insanity. Because it was nonstop partying and, and people were just acting like, like crazy. So that's what it reminded me of. And that's why I like it. Because not every single reality TV show needs to have like this like teachable moment or anything like that. So it's just people getting drunk and just being messy. And I enjoy that. Yeah, and I mean, and it's, why, it's okay. What's that? And that? No, I was going to say, and that's why I got invested in, and I enjoy like seeing them hanging out at, at BravoCon because... It's real, just, you know, mid-30s and stuff, just having a good time. Like, it's like, that's that's what I like. I mean, I, I watch The Housewife, but I can't relate that much to The Housewife because these are women in, like, late 40s, 50s. It's a whole different generation. But, like, in, in the 30s, having a good time, like, going out. And I'm married. I don't go out every single night anymore. But, like, that one night that I go out, I like to have a good time. So I see that in these people, and that's why I relate to them. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with that. But I also think it's like, it's a breath of fresh air after a very intense season of Beverly Hills, you know, and it's going to be interesting. Where do you predict Bravo going in the future or where would you want them to go in the future? Um, When it comes to Bravo, I hope they do a better job with the, um, especially the diversity part of their their, uh, other shows, because I always feel like um, they don't do a great job uh, making sure the minority cast members are, you know, somehow either protected or introduced in a way that doesn't uh, read as microaggressions and stuff like that. Are so you ta- are you are you are you? Because when I when I hear you say that, I immediately think of Southern Charm and Vanita. Yes, and like even Garcelle in Beverly Hills. Like when Garcelle was introduced, she was the first. The first season, yeah, yeah. It was the first black cast member of Beverly Hills, you know, so it, it felt like they just, you know, they just threw her in the mix. And a lot of the the issues, you know, that they had was the fact that as viewers, especially, you know, people of color, you know, the black community noticed how, you know, 
white ladies were acting towards ourselves. So, I mean, Bravo needs to maybe learn how to like do that process of not just tossing just one person in the mix. You know, well, and Garcelle, it's, it's, unfortunately, she was able to like rise to the to the top. The top like Garcelle, yeah. to, after three seasons, is like to me top tier housewife. Yes. Like, I mean, like she's handled it beautifully. But then I felt like Vanita on this season of Southern Charm got like stomped, and I feel like it really. I could be just thinking this. I felt like it really rocked her confidence, whatever happened on that show. It felt like a lot of them just kind of abused her because they felt she was weak in so many. And I'm not even talking about being a minority, but they just treated her like shit where I was like, is it worth it to have a minority cast member if this is how they're treated? Is it worth it? And is it is it worth it? Because we're all learning in our lives, in real lives right now. This is a microcosm of what's going on in the world, is that we are needing to be more integrated. We are needing to love each other more. And can Bravo handle these big issues without making it look completely idiotic? That's right. And, um, like, for example, like, I, I enjoy the reunions. I love the reunion. They're messy. And Andy is just one of us. He is a messy fan i mean he's the producer obviously but he acts like a messy fan when he's doing this reunion which i truly enjoy but there is some times and there's been some uh situation that he needed uh somebody there that would ask the right questions and um drive the conversation especially when it comes to race and uh in the housewife universe especially uh to do it uh, you know once again talking about ourselves and stuff like that but outside this, I, I also hope that Bravo starts to to do more of like you know some gay shows. I mean, Bravo used to be the uh, the gay entertainment network. Well, uh, Southern Hospitality, by the way, which is Leva's restaurant on Southern Charm, um, uh, is starting at the end of November, and I believe they have a couple of gay storylines in there. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken on that. Yes, uh, if I'm not wrong, there's like I guess it's like two cast members that are either dating or something like that. I saw the trailer, so I I, I do think that there's going to be a storyline. But yeah, and Family Karma has that as well, correct? I love the show. Oh god, that show is truly the boost of serotonin that I need every Sunday before starting my week. It's it's such a perfect reality tv show because their dynamics are organic and are real like these people know each other since they're kids this is not just people they cast and they toss into a tv show these are people who grew up together in the same community these are people who are getting married and we you know whatever and it's also the cultural value of it like i had never been to an indian wedding so those first like three episodes where they focus on their wedding uh I learned so much from that and how like amazing and how uh, beautiful the, you know, the gowns are and, and how much the details mean to them and stuff like that. So this is the type of show that I wasn't expecting it to be this good because this is another show that I, uh, I started watching late in the game. I started watching it when the season two started. So I didn't watch season one when it was like, you know, airing. So I have to rewatch it 
you know. I, and by the way, but I will say to Bravo's credit, and and I try to mention this on the show as many many times as possible, especially last week when we were talking about Real Girlfriends in Paris, is that Bravo makes it really easy to binge their shows. You can go back and watch season one of Family Karma, season two of Family Karma. You can go back and watch these shows and catch up really easily. Um, and you know these shows, you know. The network needs to thrive so we can continue to have our jobs of doing this. But you can go back and support these shows still. Like, go back and watch and catch up. They don't have long seasons. And I always tell people, uh, Bravo is more than just housewife. And I think as viewers, that's a big issue that most people have. People only want to support the housewife shows. And I tell people, do not sleep on non housewife shows because you will find better storyline. You will find more love without borders is about to come on too. that show. That's kind of like 90 day, their version of 90 day fiance, right? Love without borders is about to premiere. I'm excited. I I watched the trailer and I think it's a really cool idea. It's like their version of 90 day fiance. I don't watch that show perhaps because I had so much Bravo on my It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to this show. Like, Housewife, I mean, Girlfriend in Paris, I watched the show. The first two episodes, you need to get through it. But as soon as you get those, it's an easy watch, a great show. But that's, you know. But but a lot of the times, that's how, like, when I used to read books, you'd have to get a couple chapters into a book before it grabs you, you know? You have to let these things grab you. Even if you compare it to, like, HBO Max, like, written shows like Succession, I remember I watched, like, the first four episodes of Succession, and I didn't think I liked it. And then I was like, all of a sudden, it clicked for me, and I loved it. You've got to let a chance. Like, some shows, we can all agree, just are bad shows, right? But then some shows you just need to let give a chance. You need to, it needs to find you and hit you at the right time and you don't give up on it because I feel like when you do then we get one season shows and then we bitch about it 10 years later like NYC Prep or Gallery Girls and I want to see the continuation of shows like Real Girlfriends in Paris same and I just mentioned like there's shows that don't even pick up after like maybe two or three seasons and like one of my favorite shows is Parks and Recreation and I always tell people the first season is lackluster because they didn't know what to do with that show at the beginning they didn't know the route they were going to take it they were just basically doing a the office part 2.0 yeah just looking at the camera doing reaction shots yeah and then after maybe two seasons in that show became such an iconic show with the characters people people know those characters people love those characters because they gave them this chance. If they just stopped in season one, we would have just a one season show. It would have been, we had lost the opportunity to get to know these characters. Same thing that happened right now with uh, Girlfriends in Paris. I wanted to have a second season. Do I think they're going to get it? I don't know. Their ratings were really low. So we got to be realistic. Uh, but if people gave them the opportunity, this show had the potential to be a multi-season show because each character on that show is interesting. And they're at, they're at such an age where it's like, remember that time in your early 20s, guys? I know all you guys are in your early 20s now, I'm sure. But if if you if you can remember, I, you know, go back and when you're trying to figure out life and new things are happening and you realize your potential or your lack of potential, those things are fascinating to me. And I think Bravo, like you said, shouldn't just be about these older rich ladies. We need 
need to expand uh, the show. And I believe the audiences, we, you know, we can expand with them, you know, like we don't have to go, well, I get that over at TLC. Like I think Bravo should and would be a one-stop shop for all sorts of shows. And listen, they got into boating shows below deck as a healthy franchise. Like why can't they do more and more, which I hope they do. I agree. And like you said, like Bravo is my go-to one stop for every show. Like I'm watching Family Karma. I'm watching Girlfriends in Paris, The Housewives. I'm waiting for uh, Love, uh, what's it called? Love Border or whatever. Love Without Borders. Love yeah. Without Borders. And I'm waiting for Southern Hospitality. So there is a show for everybody. And we just got to give them an opportunity. Um I love the housewife. I love them. All, all Are you bummed that Candy and the Gang got canceled? It didn't get yes. a second season. Yes, and Candy and the Gang was a good show. It wasn't a bad show. It was just uh, it, it, it had all the components. It had every single component. And the aunties, I, I love them. So, like, I mean, I, I still don't understand. I do wonder, I do wonder the conversation. I, I, I'm so curious as I get further into this, like I tell you guys, I get so curious about what, what are those conversations that they have behind the scenes? What makes a show willing, like, you know, besides ratings, what are the reasons you stay with a show? What is the breakdown in demographics? Because really, at the end of the day, they're selling soap, guys. They're selling advertisements. That's what they need to do. So I understand, like, low ratings, but, like, there are certain shows that they do give a chance to see if it can grow. And by the way, Salt Lake this season is not getting great ratings. For for all that it's bringing, it's not giving great ratings. So I do genuinely get curious like it does get a lot of press, but it doesn't translate into ratings. Whereas Beverly Hills, it did. Um, do you think a Potomac that they could ever introduce? I was thinking about early seasons of Atlanta when Kim Zolziak was on and it was a really, you know, she brought a really interesting mix to that of one white lady with, you know, all of these African-American ladies and kind of fit in, in this really quirky, weird way. Um, do you think that they can still do that? Like, do you think Potomac could bring in a white woman at this point? Do you think, like, I always wonder if that became a no, no after Kim Zolziak. And I, I don't know if this is a potentially racist question. I just really truly want to know sometimes of like, well, are they ever going to like, do they mix it up at all? Like, do they have friends that they're going to plan on bringing in? Cause we really, truly, am I right? We haven't seen that since Kim Zolziak back in the day on Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I mean, just my personal opinion, I I like the cast how it is. Oh, I, I mean, definitely. I just wonder if they ever have those conversations of should we make this more of a mix too? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they do have those conversations. Um, but when it comes down to Potomac and Atlanta, specifically Potomac, since they didn't have a King Souls yet just yet, um, I, I do believe that leaving the cast as it is is probably like what browse should do uh, just because they have all the all the franchises that they can focus on bringing you know a, a white lady to be in the yeah your vanderpump rules you have your summer you, i mean like it's it's very yeah i mean you're the, bravo is not for want of uh white females or white males yes and and honestly like uh not only just because they might not have a chemistry but I feel like when you just bring, once again, like when you bring just like a one person of a different race to interact with somebody else, it, that's when the microaggressions and all the situations like that comes to light and, and it becomes a heavier conversation. So I, I do think that 
um, especially Potomac, it, it, it shines because it allows the ladies just to interact with each other, to have a good friendship, to have their issues. And I mean, Potomac do have, I mean, based on what I see on Twitter, I, I can't speak on the, on, on, on the matter because um, uh, I, I don't experience it. Uh, in but in the black community, there's you know I, I saw oh, comments the, the colorism colorism. So there is yes, there is a conversation there that I don't think it needs more layers to it. And I feel like bringing uh, like a Kim Zolciak into the mix is going to almost that. would almost ruin that 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 conversation that exactly. we already have going. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Do you think Chris Bassett uh, is uh, being weird with any of these women on Potomac? No, I think this is. I don't a, I think this is a uh, producer, cast producer, <laughs> going behind the scenes, sitting down with the other cast, and deciding who to go again. Uh, and we saw her last night trying to play the same producer uh, car, and she got called yeah. out. <laughs> what do you know th- what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. What do you think of um, also the, the, what do you think of Mia? Um, Mia, Mia, I'm, I'm, I had never been a fan, but when it comes to Potomac, I'm not like a big fan of like a, a person. I love the cast equally because they all clock in and get their check how, and, be, and they work really hard for their check. But last night, uh, I'm team Wendy. I'm surprised that I'm team Wendy because I, <laughs> I, I always felt like Wendy was like not a weak cast member, but I never felt like she she clicked with this women in like all the other cast member. Like there is like each one is a part. And I always felt like when he was working in a, a different speed. Uh, but last night uh, watching the fight at the restaurant, I, I, I can't get behind Mia and, and support whatever she was trying to do because a, she was doing too much. It was not her uh, issue to get involved. in. this is between Patricia and Wendy and um yeah it, it was it, i mean i always and that's another thing i don't know why patricia aka peter is still in the mix like he needs to go hang out with the fellow yeah by the way peter you guys comes over from atlanta and it's like wild that we have peter thomas back on our screens as a restaurateur and it it just it's hysterical i mean i'm I like the crossover in the worst way possible because I, I'm just like, ooh, gross. But at the same time, I laugh internally about it. Yeah. And uh, like Nini Lick said, he needs to go hang out with the fellas. He's way too involved in the women's drama. Um, uh, Patricia talking to Mia and all this stuff. I'm like, why? Why? But then the fact that Mia decided to go an extra step and become physical with Wendy. I, in that moment where she grabbed that glass and tossed that uh, drink, drink on her face, she lost me. I was like, I, I don't care if you're right or wrong. You are wrong in my eyes. And that's, that's period. Um, and Robin. Robin is another one that was doing too much. Like, girl, like, do not say a thing. Stop saying that Wendy is being like, uh, uh, what she was saying, um, she was like creating more drama. I'm like, yeah. she just got a glass of freaking drink on her face. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, Mia was in the wrong at that point. And then the fact that Giselle, being the producer that she's trying to be, is trying to um, 
make an apology or an excuse for Mia's behavior when we saw her condemning violence in previous episodes and previous seasons when the whole Monique versus uh, Candace, like she was like, Oh, I, I don't like violence and all this stuff. But now in this episode, she's saying, Oh, she was in the right for doing what she did. I'm like, you cannot be this type of hypocrite person. If you don't like violence or you don't want physical altercations to happen in a, in a group setting, you have to, you have to have um, that ground and not just change it because it is convenient to you. Um, I'm kind of happy that Wendy read them by saying that she is like the first like black woman in uh, in that university being a, a professor. That is a heavy, that is an accomplishment. And I always feel like this lady not trying to play Wendy as like she hasn't accomplished much in life, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I, I but, like it, but, it, but it is funny. Wendy reminds me of Bethany in certain ways of like, dude, you have accomplished this much, yet you're still trying to like, open your candle line and open it. Like you don't need to do like you are a professor. You are one of the smartest women on this show. You don't need to fall into these other, like, like Robin needs embellished hats. Like, you know, they need the podcast. Wendy, you are a studied woman that actually teaches people. Like that's what I find fascinating. And sometimes, you know, about the housewives and their egos, it's like, wow, you can't just be proud of the actual accomplishments you've worked for in life. It just shocks me. But at the same time, it's so immensely enjoyable to watch because you're like, wow, that's wild. Yeah, that was my reaction to last season when she decided to create this like candle line. I'm like, what are you doing? What what are you trying to do with this candle? This is going nowhere. Um, And now with the whole restaurant also, like that kind of makes more sense than just a candle line because that is an actual investment on a business. But um, I still feel like her accomplishment, the one that she actually mentioned last night, that is the accomplishment she, that she should be proud of. And uh, and honestly, like she has done a lot of all the stuff. She's been a commentator in 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 um yes. and stuff like that. Like that's something that those are things ideal. that they could never. You you Giselle could probably never do that. Like she's not going to be like talk to about politics and all. I mean, maybe religion. Who knows? But it is what keeps me coming back to Potomac and all of these shows because the ladies are so uniquely fascinating that they're all unique in their own way, yet they all come together with the desire to be known and the desire to be on these shows. And that's why I think, uh, you know, we keep watching it, but you guys need to keep watching or actually start watching Martinis with Eddie. Uh, you need to watch this on YouTube. You need to follow him. You need to follow his Twitter. We'll put all of his information on the show notes. What's coming up for you? Uh, I just launched my, uh, like I said, my website before. Um, I just launched it, especially because of the whole Twitter situation. I want to make sure that uh, I keep my brand you know, going, even if Twitter goes to hell. <laughs> uh, and just keep working on you know, creating uh, more content. I'm hoping to, you know, get into the mess with the housewife, creating my own little like, merch line or whatever. So you will see me with my candles and stuff like that. <laughs> I have yeah, no he's, he's gonna I, he's gonna have a three wick candle. It's it's all out there for you guys to, for the holidays. You got to make sure you you go support. But uh, this was a great conversation. I knew it would be. It's just fun to talk to somebody that loves Bravo as much as I do, and I know the audience does. But uh, I think you're going to see big things from Martinis, uh, Mr. Martinis with Eddie in the future. So please go and support. Uh, I think it is the 
best thing that you can do is just go check it out for yourself. See if you enjoy it. You enjoyed this conversation, right? So you know you're going to enjoy others. Uh, you can even start with the one that we had a couple weeks ago on his YouTube page and see if you liked that conversation and then just go from there. It's really easy to subscribe to YouTube, to do all of these things, um, and hopefully you'll come back soon. Yeah, and if you don't have time to watch it on YouTube, I also launch my podcast version so you will also find the audio of our conversation on my podcast so so you guys that's easy too we subscribe to the podcast we rate it five stars you guys are really well trained at this point for any podcaster that comes on you give them five stars just because they are taking this is they don't get paid for this i barely get paid for this so like come on this is this is the way we support each other so um i hope you have an amazing thanksgiving this week dude and thanks for taking some time out of your week and uh we will talk to you really soon same happy thanksgiving and have a great night right betches